yeah so i had a firm belief and probably it was inspired from the um journey of facebook twitter linkedin the likes of them in the west that you know first you need to grow your user base uh and then comes the revenue first you need to build a great product then grow the user base and then comes the revenue while i had a firm belief in it but one of our investors and later on more of them but initially one of them continue to uh, uh you know push us towards creating revenue opportunities no matter what the user base look like or what the product status look like Hey Ankit, uh, welcome to Founders Unfiltered. Really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Abhiral and Masin, for inviting me. I'm really excited for the conversation. Awesome. So Ankit, we'll start with a curveball question. We have been asking this recently to our guests, um, which is something that Peter Thiel uses in his interviews and conversations, uh, which is, what is one truth that you believe in, which very few people agree with you on? Yeah. So. well i i i have not followed followed peter thiel recently i'm not sure about uh, where this where this question is coming from but as far as i am concerned you know i totally believe in that a monopoly can be broken with innovation and smart execution right no matter whether it's the monopoly by the likes of google facebook amazon many people are afraid to take uh, uh, you know afraid to go against Uh, these big tech when it comes to their core offerings right but i think that this can be broken with innovation and smart execution and i believe very few people would agree with me on this got it and i think peter thiel is a big fan of uh, businesses that are monopolies in their niche so i think uh, pretty pretty good answer um and ankit would love to start with your early days uh, early journey um where did you grow up where did you do your schooling Uh, any early influences to entrepreneurship um, would love to learn more about that sure um, so i was born in a small town called chaiwasa in jharkhand um, a little known place then i moved to jamshedpur for my high schooling and this is where i completed my 12th and then moved to delhi iit delhi for the graduation and masters where i dropped out actually in my fourth year it was a five year course yeah so um, this bug of entrepreneurship was right from the beginning during school days i had started my first venture right while i was in my class 10 i remember we used to develop design and develop web uh, applications websites for local business owners right that's what that that's what was the bread and butter for me and you know that's how i played my role in supporting the financials of the family i come from a very humble background and as people say necessity uh, is the source of uh, you know that that pushes you to do things which otherwise i might not have done right so the necessity of managing or supporting family financials was something that uh, made me um, think about business think about how do i earn from the skills that i have already gathered right so during school days i was pretty much into computers i was pretty much into coding web design development was something that i was really passionate about i'm talking about 
2003-2004 times. Uh, that time smartphones went, went there. So yeah, so I somehow figured out how do I make money from that skill. And that's what I did until my second year in IIT Delhi. That's when I got in touch with various other startups which were coming up from IIT Delhi, which are now well-known startups, no more a startup in, you know, people like Flipkart or Snapdeal or, uh, you know, uh, Zomato, all of those guys were starting up when I was in my first and second year. So this is a, this was a, I think it was being at the right place at the right time helped me gain the exposure, right, which was very much needed to move from the mindset of service-based uh, industry to creating a product of my own, right? Uh, so in 2011, I started my first product. I remember it was first November 2011. So one 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 one. And that's what that was the uh, auspicious date we chose to start our first product, which is called TouchTalent.com. Right. This was a social network meant for artists, for creative people. You can imagine that we were thinking of creating an Instagram out of India. Uh, so, by the way, Instagram was not born at that time, uh, but we had that vision of creating something of that sort, which is known as Instagram today, right? But maybe again, um, wrong place, wrong time, <laughs> uh, wrong uh, market, wrong idea. It didn't work out very well. So, in 2015, we pivoted to Bobble. Uh, and this was the time when we went to the drawing board and started thinking since smartphones are growing exponentially, if we have to move up away from the web era and do something on smartphone, what would that idea be? Right? That's when we realized that people buy smartphones for two reasons, conversations and camera. So we decided to build something which can enhance the conversation experience using the, uh, taking the help from camera. And that's when we came up with bobble stories and comic stories and stickers, right? 2015. Eventually in 2016, we added keyboard into our portfolio, primarily for the purpose of disseminating such content into chat platforms and social platforms. Right? And later in 2018, we pivoted to bobble AI, uh, you know, revamping all our historical algorithms into AI powered algorithms. Um, 2019, we strike a very large deal with Xiaomi that was actually a turnaround, a turning point for us. Right? So since 2019, we have been growing tremendously in terms of user base, revenues, valuation, everything. Yeah. So that's the story in a nutshell. I'm happy to you know deep dive on any aspect that you find more interesting. No, would love to learn more about uh, what Bobble is. Um, can you talk about that? Uh, what are you building? Who are you targeting? And then, you know, we can deep dive into our topic uh, for this sure, time. Sure. So Bobble is uh, the way we define Bobble as the conversation media platform. It's a, it's a new term coined by us. Uh, but in order to understand a conversation media platform, I can take certain analogies, right? Um, one of the analogies is Instagram and Snapchat how they are built on top of camera utility. So camera is a utility, but Instagram and Snapchat are platforms, social platforms built on top of that camera utility, right? Or for example, YouTube built as a platform on top of video player utility. True caller built on top of phone book utility, 
right? Glance built on top of lock screen utility. There are so many other examples out there. Dropbox, right? Um, uh, MX Player. There are so many examples out there which took utility as the base, reinvented the use cases, um, uh, reimagined the the uh, re- reimagined that utility in the form of a platform. That's what. That's exactly what we did with keyboard utility, right? Typing utility. We built a platform, a holistic platform on top of it, uh, and we called it conversation media platform. Right? Uh, so those most of those other platforms are called social media platform because they are more social in nature, where people go to demonstrate themselves in a public domain. In our case, people uh, have one-on-one or within a small intimate group discussions right or rather conversations and that is why the purpose of our platform is to enhance the conversation experience within these small group or one to one conversations right and that's the vision we are on to since 2015 enhancing smartphone conversation experience right and we do it with various innovations around deep tech it could be language it could be voice conversational content camera um, there's so many things that we developed in the past 5 years uh, which are all bundled into uh, our flagship smartphone keyboard application or rather a service a service that runs on background 24 into 7 gets invoked whenever the person needs to input uh, information to the smartphone within any application it's a strategic real estate that captures 40 to 50% of your smartphone real estate whenever you are converging making searches putting in your location on cab apps or doing anything on the smartphone this keyboard gets invoked and um, brings a lot of rich functionalities to you and these functionalities we have bucketed into three major areas the first one is expression so our platform allows you to express more impactfully and efficiently um the second one is uh localization our platform uh, helps you and enables you in accessing the smartphone services and internet in a localized manner in your own native language uh, you can share your own native uh, language related content or you can type in your regional language or dialect or you can speak in your own accent and our platform understands that the third bucket is the intelligence bucket wherein most of the features are designed to assist you in your smartphone experience be it content recommendation or emoji recommendation or be it product recommendation or a service recommendation or a coupon and offer recommendation just imagine you are on a e-commerce app trying to find a product and the keyboard recommends you the product existence in some other e-commerce application or website or gives you an offer that you can purchase this product at a lower cost right so in a way we try to add value into the daily life of a smartphone user through our intelligent recommendations within that keyboard real estate right so this is how we 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 define our platform conversation media platform expression localization and intelligence thanks for that explanation ankit and it's a perfect segue into our topic for this week's episode which is building the world's largest conversation media platform and i i want to um you know double click a bit on on your early days you know you spoke about how you chose how, how you kind of came up with this it was the insight that smartphones you know 
we're, we're going to enable more conversations and, and that was the space you wanted to be in. And you spoke about this earlier as well. So kind of connecting both. Uh, what was the thought process like early on? You know, did you think about the fact that you'd be competing with players like Google and, and Amazon in this space? And um, can you tell us a bit more about that, that experience and, and, you know, how, how you went about that process from ideation to actually getting a customer? Sure. Vashin, we've never thought about, uh, you know, uh, the challenges that consciously uh, the competitive challenges that we might face later on. Mm-hmm. We just continue to build upon the user insights that we were receiving. Users wanted to have better expression functionalities within WhatsApp, right? But WhatsApp was not providing those functionalities and that came as an opportunity to us. Users wanted the keyboard to understand their native language. Google was not providing those functionalities earlier and that was an opportunity for us. Users wanted keyboards to be more assistive in nature. It's an assistive tool. It's supposed to assist you during your smartphone experience. Not just be able to correct your word, but rather be able to understand your intent and and, and probably predict uh, on the basis of your intent. Right. So we uh, created or we continue to uh, innovate, taking user insights as the primary uh, motivation factor, right? Or primary source of knowledge, information. Instead of looking at the competition, what they were doing, instead of looking at the challenges that might come, uh, we were just focusing on solving for those problem statements that we were identifying during our journey, right? And we learned a lot uh, during the journey. We made a lot of soft and hard pivots in order to keep the business sustainable in order to ensure continued growth uh, month on month, quarter on quarter, both in terms of user base and revenues. And if you look at it as, you know, um, as an entrepreneur, I am highly optimistic and risk taking, which is apparently visible from my previous decisions of, let's say, dropping out of IIT Delhi. Right in my fourth year when it was a five-year course because I was extremely optimistic about the entrepreneurial opportunities that I was getting into and uh, I never get I never got bothered uh, that what if what will happen if I don't have a college degree right? similarly when we were solving challenges and problems for our end consumer smartphone users we were never bothered by the fact that what will happen if Google starts copying it or if Microsoft Makes starts sense. copying it? Right? Makes sense. And Just how did you focus on solving those problems? But how did you go about, can you, can you talk us through how you actually got those users? I mean, it's one of the things that first-time entrepreneurs struggle with. How do you get your first few customers, especially? Yeah. <coughs> Honestly, we struggled. So, yeah. so in 2015, yeah. uh, we came up with a growth hack, which worked really well for us. Okay. Uh, we... Now there is a term called product-led growth, it's a buzzword, but earlier we actually used that technique, but we never knew what we were doing. For example, every time you share a bobble content, be it stickers, GIFs, emojis, etc., these content go with bobble watermark in it, right? And therefore, the receiver of that content gets, gets to know what is the source of that content and they get to search and organically find us on Play Store or uh, uh, search engines, right? So, uh, in in a way, we had cracked the formula for our organic growth that was through content distribution. 
the more content gets shared externally the more people will be aware about our product and the more people will come and try it out right so that was the initial level of growth but even then uh, the massive explosive growth came when we created a growth hack wherein there were so many other applications in 2015 which used to provide such content but people had to go out of whatsapp open that application find that re- relevant piece of content customize it download it in their gallery and then come to whatsapp again pick it up from gallery and share it with their uh, uh, friends or family such a such a complex user flow right we solved that user flow by creating a growth hack which was whenever you open whatsapp our widget used to come on top of whatsapp automatically by detecting through an android api we used to detect which application is in the foreground and we used to show a widget on top and therefore while you are chatting you can access the content right from there without going to a third application right we just uh, eliminated so many steps from the user flow that people loved that content sharing seamless content sharing right and that led to larger amount of content getting shared and therefore la- more number of people becoming aware of bobble uh, as a brand as a product and more m- number of people coming organically and trying it out right it was it led to an explosive explosive growth i remember uh, we used to add almost uh, a million users every month we had reached around 7 million users by say january or february 2016 This is when Android scrapped that API which we were using for growth. Oh, to place it on top of WhatsApp. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we are now not able to track which application is is in the foreground, and therefore we were not able to show the widget. This this was a this was a big setback for us. Uh, our users so started. So, what is the timeline, right? So you started off. Uh, you started off with with the chat, and then you had that little. Uh, no, I'll, 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 I'll explain quickly. Yeah. So until 2014 end, we were doing social network for artists, which is TouchTalent.com. Right. Right. January 2015, we sat on the drawing board and, and created a, a concept for Bobble. And the most interesting fact is, when we were doing that hard pivot, we knew that we had only six months of runway left. Okay. Yet we took that again a risk taker with a lot of optimism, right? So we we ignored the fact that we had six months of runway left. We just focused on we scrapped the previous product. We just focused on creating a product that made more sense during that time. So January we started. Uh, we we hired our first Android developer. I remember they joined in the first week of January. Uh, I came from the web background, so I had to also learn the Android and iOS aspects. By March, we had launched our first version of the product. Uh, by app, but but it was a shitty product in terms of you know the the sophistication and the compatibility. April 2015, we launched a better version of the product, which was continuously iterated, improvised later on. Yeah. But from April onwards, we started seeing good growth. June, we had a million users. August, we had around two million users. This is when SAP Partners came in and invested thirty-three million dollars. into the company uh, and this was uh, uh, and this was the last month when 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 uh, you know we were supposed to the last month when we had whatever the amount had uh, we had in the account was meant for the salary we could not have been 
we could not have been able to give out the salaries if we could not raise that investment in any case so that was very fortunate for us by so from august 2015 to january february 2016 we had around 7 million users right and these are active users i'm talking about yeah. not the downloads um and then uh, from february started declining by april may we had a uh, i remember by probably by june 2016 we had less than a million users as after the interface android api was turned off correct correct and uh, fortunately we had enough cash in the bank to think about a solution and we thought of keyboard right because 2016 is the time when they scrapped the other api they opened the api for third party keyboards both android and ios opened the apis for third party keyboard and we launched our first version of keyboard in march 2016 improvised on it later but the first version gave us the confidence that this concept is going to work we were the first keyboard in the world which integrated stickers gifs and emojis emojis to khair the kuch log ke paas but stickers and gifs into the keyboard for the first time google launched gboard late 3 months later microsoft came up uh, acquired swift ki 5 months later baidu started facemoji outside china uh, almost 6 7 months later right so we we started we jumped on to that ship very early although our product was not that sophisticated like the ones that i talked about but within next 2 years we worked really hard that by mid 2018 we were able to create uh, the best keyboard in terms of engagement and retention in the world even when you compared against the google gboard microsoft swift or baidu facemoji and i'm talking about third party numbers like similar web etc so yeah so it's, it's had, it has been a it has been a roller coaster ride like any other startup or entrepreneur um like i said towards the end of 2018 we started talking to oems because our growth had stagnated we had almost a million users in 2016 2017 2018 it was almost flat we were only focusing on creating the best keyboard with the best functionalities right 2019 we later 2018 we cracked a few deals with smaller oems like lava panasonic uh, 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 geony etc and uh, that gave us the idea that probably oem driven growth could be more suited for our kind of product so this is for the oem to pre install your keyboard on the correct course. correct and make it default and exclusive mm-hmm. whenever a customer buys it um so 2019 we cracked a deal, we were able to crack a deal with xiaomi which was the second largest phone smartphone seller in india at that time now they have become the number one the largest one mm-hmm. and this is when xiaomi committed to uh preload our keyboard is the default and exclusive one in most of their devices right since then the explosive growth began yet again and in 2020 after covid hit we decided to monetize uh, we were not sure about the future of the investment ecosystem so we decided to monetize and since then we have grown our revenues as well significantly Good. so that's monetize um, was so you started monetizing at that point um and 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 can you can you talk to us a little bit about how you thought about pricing and 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 what your business model is in in gender sure um when people start using the platform uh, we generate three different assets 
from the usage of the platform. One is data, the second one is content sharing, and the third one is engagement, impressions. We monetize data through a model, we call it data as a service, wherein we do, uh, we have solutions like data enrichment, uh, we have solutions like predictive audience for programmatic advertising. We have solutions like uh, aggregated market and competitive insights, right? So we have multiple solutions using the core data that we gather from the platform. The second business model is around content sharing. We call it conversation media marketing. Very similar to social media marketing, but here the brand is able to market themselves within conversation platforms like WhatsApp with the help of content formats or inventories like stickers, GIFs and emojis and memes. Right? And the third business model is engagement driven model wherein uh, we work with uh, partners to help them uh, distribute their services from inside the keyboard real estate. We also call it conversational commerce. Right. There's been a nice article around uh, conversational commerce in your story recently, wherein we have also shown how we are integrating various categories of services inside the keyboard real estate. The idea is very simple. Once we detect an intent from the end consumer, we at the source of the intent try to capture it in the form of transaction by providing the right service at the right time. Right. So these are the three major business models. Apart from that, because technology is one of our core assets anyway, so the fourth business model that we have developed is around technology licensing. So we provide conversational content uh, as license to dating apps, to other applications or chatbots. Um, we provide language solutions to chatbots and other companies who want to target the Bharat uh, you know, geography, Bharat uh, demography. Uh, so we provide language and content solutions as technology in the licensing manner. Right? So that's the fourth business model for us. Awesome. Um, Ankit, so the, I think the last year, year and a half have been pretty intense for you guys with the, you know, COVID explosion. Um, I think you've raised a few rounds of financing as well. Can you talk to us about what's next for you? What, what are plans? Uh, where do you plan to take this going forward? Sure. So, uh, Abhiral, one of the things we have learned, especially during COVID times, is that we have to play on the merit of the product, right? We cannot always be dependent on the relationships that we hold in the market. Be it the Xiaomi relationships or the Apple relationship, we have to have our own independent existence, right? For those reasons, we um, uh, experimented with a lot of marketing channels to ensure that we have a positive unit economics even when we acquire consumers through direct marketing, right? Instead of going via OEM route. And we were pretty successful in doing that. Apparently visible from the numbers when, uh, you know, two years ago, 90% of our user base was coming from the OEM and 10% was direct. Today it has uh, changed to 65% by OEM and 35% direct. Right? So clearly our direct to marketing, direct to consumer marketing is working well for us. And we want to hammer more on this front to ensure that we have uh, de-risked ourselves from the OEM relationships. There's a lot of uncertainties around geopolitical scenarios or, you know, uh, uh, around the kind of friction that Chinese smartphone manufacturers are facing in India and so on and so forth. Therefore, we have um, charted our own growth plan with our own direct marketing, right? So that's one. 
uh, and with that we aim to achieve 100 million dollar uh, sorry 100 million daily active users by march 2024 right um and so that's on the user base front while on the revenue front um we have been growing our revenue consistently and it is growing uh, and at the same time while we had hit a uh, profitable uh, you know profitable month operationally profitable month in the month of march 2022 but we decided that since we have raised one more round after march 2022 which is not yet in the public domain uh, we decided to uh, grow our expenses in sync with the revenue without increasing the burn uh, in order to ensure that the growth rate should continue to improve, right? Um, for those reasons, we are not profitable as of today, but the burn is very minimal and the re- expenses is growing along with the revenue month on month, right? We continued, we want to continue growing in that fashion for another two years or so uh, before we reach a scale of $100 million ARR, before we plan to... Uh, get into uh, you know public listing sort of a liquidity opportunity for end. Got it. Awesome. Um, I think you know that brings us to the end of the conversation. We ask our guests um, some unfiltered feedback, which is the reason why we call this founders unfiltered. So, what's one piece of unfiltered feedback that you received uh, in your journey as a founder, which really stayed with you and changed the way you looked at things? Brutal, honest is is what um, we would really like. That I received. Yes. Okay. So uh, yeah. So I had a firm belief, and probably it was inspired from the um, journey of Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, the likes of them in the West. That you know, first you need to grow your user base, uh, and then comes the revenue. First, you need to build a great product and grow the user base and then comes the revenue. While I had a firm belief in it, but one of our investors and later on more of them, but initially one of them continued to, uh, uh, you know, push us towards creating revenue opportunities, no matter what the user base look like or what the product status look like. Because I think that advice... Uh, I, I hold true now and probably will hold it for forever that a business is meant to generate revenue, is meant to be profitable, right? And it is supposed to be profitable from day one. If it is not, then uh, the risk is very high and one has to really introspect what can be done mm-hmm. in order to be profitable without compromising the growth rate, right? It is not either ways right. that whether you grow or uh, you generate revenue. I don't think it works like that. I think you can do both together. Right. So that's one piece of advice that I received and I I will hold on to it for forever. No matter whichever business I'm doing. Amazing. Ankit, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed this conversation. Um, look forward to the feedback from our listeners. Thank you so much, Abhiray. Thanks, thanks, Mazin. Thank you so much for tuning in to Founders Unfiltered. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Join us next week for another episode of AJVC Unfiltered, where we talk about our latest piece 